guys, welcome to the New Native Podcast, the podcast that is reaching and speaking to the African-American voice in the disciple-making movement in America. Hey everyone, this is Carl Johnson with the New Native Podcast, and we got part two of Radical Generosity with Dr. Gabe Villas. Now, if you have any questions, email me at carl at disciplemakingandracialreconciliation.com. We look forward to hearing from you and anything that you have, any questions that you have. So tune in. All right, so we are already recording, so I didn't want to start right away. Does this thing, does this thing like let you edit it or or this is going to be on too? Uh, Yeah, hold on one second. Let me do something else. Let me mute that. All right, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Absolutely. Oh, I can hear you through both actually. Is that good or bad? No, it's good. Uh, We'll see. We'll just see what happens. We can edit it. So, so I can edit it and, and whatever, can cut and stuff. So how okay. you doing, man? I'm doing well today. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm located in sunny Palm Springs, California. I'll give you the update. At 10 p.m. at night, we are rolling at 91 degrees. A toasty <laughs> evening tonight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, we know how it is. It's, it's pretty warm here now. We finally got rid of the the bug of cold. Now we got the fires of protests keeping us warm at night. <laughs> so, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's what's happening. Um, so I want to get into just a little bit. Then we could talk. So we could just talk after that. Uh, let me get to the message. So everyone, I just want to introduce you to Dr. Gabe Viez, uh, uh, a friend, a colleague. Uh, just an innovative thinker when it comes around, when it is specifically for mentorship and and how things can happen. Rocking my world <laughs> uh, with, uh, with with his thought processes. So uh, tonight we're gonna be we're gonna be landing in in the valley of radical generosity and disciple making. And so and so some of you have probably never heard this term in this framework. So I'm going to ask uh, Dr. Gabe to just introduce himself, and then we'll go into the first question that we're all asking, what is radical generosity? Well, Carl, it's great to be chatting with you this evening. Again, you kind of alluded to it earlier. It's an interesting time in our country. You know, th- this country is <laughs> through so many growing pains. Good Lord. You know, when is there going to be a break from all this Uh this chaos that we're seemingly living in. And, you know, as, as someone that's educated and grew up as ethnic minority within um, Los Angeles, I'm not someone that's just satisfied with, um, you know, maybe what some people are, right? It's you go to college and you become successful. And why do you become successful? So you can have a easier lifestyle and your financial needs provided for you. But really my motivation in going to school was trying to figure out how I was going to, help impact my community, right? And I remember during my dissertation, 
Um, you know, I'm trying to develop solutions to these problems that have been plaguing me for years. And, you know, going into uh, books and spending way too much time in libraries and downloading things on the Internet. And during my graduation commencement address, I ended up bringing up the fact that I studied so that I could find solutions to today's problems from the past and around the globe. And in particular, when we think about the way that our communities function and the way even education was produced and whether it's in the church or within universities, I began to, you know, have this identity crisis in a sense. What is it that we're doing now that may not have been reflective of the days of our founder of our movement a couple yeah. thousand years ago? And it was mentoring. Mentoring was central to the entire aspect of what discipleship looked like back then. Uh, the majority of education in our world of humanity was based in apprenticeship, taking someone under your ring, under your wings, walking with them, helping them understand not just a skill, a talent, but also a lifestyle, helping them to be equipped to be uh, who they're supposed to be in life, not yeah. a carbon copy of yourself. And uh, when we talk about this concept of radical generosity, really what we're talking about is how much time, energy, and resources are we putting into folks? And I think when you use the phrase radical, you have to admit that many times the giving that we've, um, that we've been maybe called to or maybe the giving that we have experience with is not truly sacrificial giving. It's, it's usually not the giving to the point where it hurts or the point where um, we're truly investing in ourselves at a point where people know they got our whole hearts. So for me, when I even read uh, the Bible and I come up with concepts concept like discipleship or I hear people talking about mentoring, I'm always a little hesitant to endorse just anybody using those phrases because yeah. a lot of times it feels like it's guided by a concept of maybe like the minimum wage. If I could legally get away with paying somebody less than this, if the government would allow me, I would pay you less. And in a sense, that's a lot of times what our service devalues into or even our level of investment, whether it's a teacher that we have, let's say in junior high, do we ever talk with them again? How much intentionality is built yeah. in any relationship where we actually walk with people for the long term? So for me, that idea of radical generosity extends far beyond just finances. It, it, it extends into the time we're willing to invest in our protégés. Yeah, talk a little bit more like if somebody would say, if we were, we we're creating a new framework for generosity, radical generosity within, within the apprenticeship or replicating uh, a movement with somebody, what would, what would you say would be a layman terms definition for that? Layman terms for me is strategically investing a lot of resources into someone else. So for me, it's not a question of, hey, Gabe, do you have people that look up to you or that you're investing in? The question right. comes back more to how, what's the quality of care or the level of stewardship or the way in which I'm putting my resources into them, right? It's, for me, it goes into this. It's not just telling someone you support them. It's showing them you support them. So I, I believe in that tangible aspect of, yo, are you being intentional about hooking people up 
that are in your circle of influence in extremely practical ways where we start telling them we love them, we show them we love them. Yeah. No, that's really good. It's really good. Um, how would someone, uh, so let me make sure I, I keep messing up the, the second question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, why would we want to practice uh, radical generosity? You know, when, when you think about um, the amount of time you invest in someone, and I'm going to be very specific now. If we're, let, let, let's just say hypothetically, you have a group of people come over your house and, you know, they're in your living room. And let's say there's, I don't know, 12 of them. You have 12 people in your living room and you just want to do a quick check in and say, hey, what's going on in your life? How are you doing? And they each speak for about what? you know, five minutes or so, you already took up basically an hour at that point. Yeah. And you didn't even interact with each other. You didn't even uh, have a chance to really ask questions or follow up. So what I'm getting at is when we think about how we're investing in people or why I'd want to practice this, because I believe in treating others as I'd like to be treated. I don't like the idea of afterthought mentoring. Uh, hey, you know, let me go through my phone right now and let me go call this brother up or let me go call this sister up or let me go call uh, one of my protégés up. And then they answer the phone like, what's this phone call coming out of nowhere every six months or four months? Like, I want intentionality. I want someone to like call me up and be able to have the time set apart so that they could actually have a conversation with me and develop a relationship with me. So at one level, you wanna, you'd want to deeply invest in others because that's how you'd want to be treated. The other line is because probably that's the intention of what discipleship really is, right? Discipleship at its core is go into all the world and develop mentoring relationships with people that don't know as much as you or are potentially younger than you or have less experience than you. So that command to go into the world and mentor essentially highlights Jesus was founding the largest mentoring program in the history of humanity. So why not tie in and get in with the mission of the founder? He himself as a rabbi was rolling like that. And I myself, if someone want to value his teachings, not just be a hearer of the word, would want to be someone that implements it. And for me, it highlights that reality, which is this. We may be familiar with the message of the founder. We may be. But what about the method of the founder? What was the method of the founder? The method of the founder was life on life, deep relationships that were, again, based in radical generosity, spending our time with folks, spend time with people that um, are, are not as far as long as us. And we may not be able to see the immediate payoff for why we're investing them. It's the right thing to do question do you think there is a, a difference in the concept of mentorship today than there was in, as you look at mentorship and and other and other cultural contexts maybe in the past uh in your work you know within higher education potentially you could get a mentor at the doctoral level <laughs> Yeah, It's a three-on-one as you're working on your dissertation. But another aspect, um, 
you know, within the church, you might get mentored by someone through a specific initiative, maybe the women's ministry, or maybe within the youth ministry, you get matched up with someone, or maybe at some aspect, you become a leader, and then they have some type of program for the leaders where senior pastors have access to them to invest in them. But I would say overall, you actually have to go more to like the trades in this country of how you learn how to become a woodworker or learn how to do specific things within specific industries. Now, um, if you look at what was going on with Kobe Bryant's funeral, which happened this year, that discussion that Michael Jordan gave there in terms of his role in Kobe Bryant's life was extremely in intriguing to talk about how mentoring functions today. From what I understood, what I got from that talk was Jordan was like an older brother figure that was potentially viewing Kobe as the young and up and cumber competitor and didn't really want to have anything to do with his little younger brother. <laughs> I'm not trying to um, give you the trade secrets or the keys of the kingdom. Like I'm trying to go out there and handle mine. And it was a endearing conversation, a year endearing talk that he provided when he began to say, hey, I had to realize that guy's not really my competition. That guy's really my little brother that looks up to me. What, what am I doing? You know what I mean? Am I uh, giving the time to him? Am I investing in him or not? And they, again, spoke at, Jordan spoke at length in terms of uh, taking these late night phone calls from Kobe and again, couldn't shake him off, but then began to embrace him more and culminating mm -hmm. in what people would consider reverse mentoring when he said, uh, Kobe made me want to be a better father figure. And you saw all over the social media that girl dad type uh, uh, hashtag that was going around. So in a sense, it was uh, Jordan and he said, Jordan teaching Kobe how to be a more effective uh, ball player. And then in the end, in death, um, Jordan himself saying, I want to spend time with my grandkids now because of what Kobe modeled for me. So I would mm. say, yeah. Mentoring occurs within formal programs and mentoring occurs within certain guilds, career fields. But then there's another aspect of mentoring, which I might say is a more pure form of mentoring. It is uh, protege initiated mentoring. It is the proteges who seek out mentors in their life and in a sense, uh, cultivate that relationship on their own by um, setting apart time and actually making phone calls to the mentors because that's one of the things that I see in this culture, which, um, you know, may maybe it doesn't really reflect human nature or self-interest, which is quality mentors or quality uh, role models are oftentimes in high demand. So yeah. you need to make potentially multiple phone calls to them or multiple social media messages or emails or actually go after them because to gain attention and then also help to navigate that relationship at some level because busy people by nature have many people that want to connect with them. So, so, so in a sense, by being persistent, um, that helps you to differentiate yourself to show that, hey, I'm really serious and that I really want to learn from you. Because one of the key characteristics that must take place at any mentor relationship is teachability. Are you willing to listen to the mentor and then implement their advice or follow through on what you guys are working on together? 